James chapter 1, verses 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 is our passage for today. This is the word of God. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he, lo- what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. As the word of the Lord, and the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Now, over the course of this week, uh, I've done a fair amount of reading, meditating, studying, thinking through this passage, what it means, how to apply it. Uh, and trying to condense that down into 30, 40 minutes for us. Uh, And over the course of that week, I'm also sad to say that I spent a little too much time, well, any time is too much, but I spent too much time thinking about all the people that I'm like, man, yeah, these people need to hear this because they are only hearers of God's word, right? That was, like I said, I spent too much time there. And as I was doing my study, I came to realize, you know what, in doing that, I was only being a hearer of God's word myself. Now, God's word is a beautiful thing. And with it, we are saved, we are sanctified, we are encouraged, we are strengthened, and we are able to be a blessing to others by sharing it with them or by praying the words of scripture with one another. But at the very same time, right, if if we are in God's word, we are spending time studying, memorizing the scriptures, listening to sermons, preparing for teachings and different things like that. And only only in a matter to gain information, gain knowledge, gain things that I can just regurgitate with only either minimal or no modifications to even my behaviors. What have I truly gained? Being a doer of God's word is taking all of God's word into account when I think, when I speak, and when I act. That's, that's what it means to be a doer of God's word. Thomas Watson uh, said, and I, I can't recall the book, but he said this. I really appreciated this when it concerns meditating and studying God's word and really uh, basking in God's goodness when we come to the word. It said, he said this, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we don't warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. Right, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we don't warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. Now, here in Victoria, right, we providentially we had a little cold spell that came through this week. And when I thought about that passage or that quote, I'm like, man, how nice is it to be able to gather up with your family and sit around a nice cozy fire or having heating, right, to where we're not shivering as we're here at church today. Uh, and and those, that's a good thing. Those are good things. Those are enjoyable memories that we have with our family whenever we're able to gather up and sit next to a fireplace or a, a, a fire of some sort. But how much better is warming up our souls with some time spent meditating on the goodness of God and on his word? Now, with that in mind, I want, I want to come back to our passage for today. Um, James here has given us a call to action, or what some might call it, the marching orders, right? We're getting that in these, in these verses from last week, this week, and next week. But if we were to kind of recap very generally where we've been so far, uh, what James has d- 
done for us so far, what he has been trying to, the points he's been trying to get across, he's been trying to explain to us that we need to consider our trials joyful experiences because what God is doing to us and for us through them. And then while we're in the midst of those trials, that as we need wisdom to navigate these troubled waters, we are to ask God who gives generously without reproach or criticism to those who ask in faith and without doubt. And then it continues on, and he's given us more encouragement with the fact that God is the one who will sustain us. And it is our duty to rely on him through it all, knowing that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift that we have and that we would ever need. Now, since all of that is true, we should, and then it goes on, right, that since all of that is true, we should receive his commands, his challenges, his promises that he gives us in his word with meekness and humility, not grumbling or complaining, uh, because our grumbling, our complaining, when we are slow, to, quick to listen, or when we're not quick to listen, slow to speak, those things that, that, uh, that build up within us uh, only produce anger that does not produce the righteousness of God, right? So as we are doing the things that we are called to, or as we don't, as we veer off from that, uh, it leads to grumbling, complaining, anger, and those things do not produce the righteousness of God. So that takes us to where we find ourselves today in verse 22 through 25. And then that begs the question, okay, well, if none of that stuff um, produces the righteousness of God or godly living is another way to say that, uh, what does produce godly living or the righteousness of God, right? What can we do to, that produces the righteousness of God? And we read it earlier when Pastor mentioned uh, Matthew 7. Uh, we, we, we talk about it often. Uh, but what that thing is, what we can do is obedience. Right? It's, it's obedience. Uh, that's being not merely a hearer of God's word, but a doer of God's word. And we'll unpack that, right? Because a lot of times when you hear obedience, people get up at arms about, what, about obeying. But, um, but we'll, we'll get into that. So to get there, we have three points that we're going to cover today. We're going to look at uh, deception in verse 22, deficiency or deficiencies in verses 23 and 24, and then duty in verse 25. Deception, deficiency, and duty. I like using alliterations, they kind of help us to wrap our minds around these things. And so that, those would be the three points that we're going to cover and as far as sermon summaries go, this would be it if I was to have one. Our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our love for God. Our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our love for God. So let us pray and ask God to bless our time, and then we will get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you for another day for the many blessings that you've given us that we see and we don't see. Uh, the fact that we woke up this morning was a reminder of the new mercies that you have for us in this day. Uh, we are able to gather today in spite of circumstances that arise uh, in, in people's lives. Uh, but you saw fit that, you know, we didn't have broken down vehicles, uh, house fires, all kind of things that occur all the time. Uh, you have protected us from those things and allowed us to gather, uh, to be freed from distraction, to hear from you. Lord, my desire is to preach your word faithfully, to teach what accords a sound doctrine, and for you to be glorified through it. That 
no one comes away from this thinking anything more of me, uh, but that they think more of you by how good you are to us and all that you have provided uh, for us in this life. This is our prayer. This is our desire. And we ask for this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's first look at deception in verse 22. Let me reread it. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, so what is the deception, right? What is the deception going on? Well, we must first remember who this letter is written to, right? Who is James's uh, primary audience? It's the, what we read in verse 1 or 2. I should have written down, but uh, it's the 12 tribes of the dispersion is what's mentioned there, which are the Christian exiles. It's, it's the Christian church that has been dispersed due to persecution or whatever is going on during this time, this first century. So James is writing this letter to Christians, right? First and foremost, the audience are Christians, not to the unbelieving world, uh, but to Christian first and foremost. That is the direct audience of this letter. And since this is the case, these commands are not given unto salvation they are given due to salvation okay they're not given hey do these things and be saved these are the things that we are to do because we have been saved right because as Christians it's by grace through faith that we have been saved Um, but as those who have been saved we are not saved to only hear the word but to be doers of the word Now, when we think about that, right, salvation or justification is the fancy term for our right standing before God. That is a a past event, right? God has done that for every Christian. We were saved already, right? We have been saved. That has been done. Christ died on the cross for our sins as we trust him and have faith in him and all that he has done for us, right? We are justified, right? We are justified by faith uh, before God because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, So we are not speaking about obedience unto salvation, right? We can't earn our salvation. We can't work our way towards salvation. We don't even work our way to keep us saved. We were saved, right? This is what God has done for us. What we are talking about is the obedience that flows from that salvation, right? We have a new heart, new mind, new thoughts, and now we have a, a heart that yearns after the things of God, that wants to please him with our lives, and therefore it's that desire, that will that these commands are coming for. Kevin DeYoung in his book, A, a Hole in Our Holiness, says it this way, God's people are not redeemed by observing the law, but they were redeemed so that they might obey the law. Romans 8, 7 tells us that the mindset on the, flat, on the flesh um, will not uh, submit to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. It has no desire and it has no ability to, right? Whenever we are dead in our trespasses and sins, this is a cold, dead heart. I have no desire to please God. I have no desire to want that. But when God's word goes forth through the power of the Holy Spirit, he removes that heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh. I now desire God and the things of him. And and I can now hear, I can now see, I now yearn to obey him with my life because of what God has done in that supernatural work of salvation. So uh, just as James tells us here in verse 22, as Christians, God has not saved us to sit on the shelf and, and to be trophy Christians, right? That's not what he has done. He has saved us to put us to good use. Right. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Right. That's that's what God has done for us. And so that good use, those good works are is us being doers of the word. 
Think about it this way. In Psalm 19, verse 11, uh, this is a wonderful psalm. If you've read it or you're familiar with it, it is David just singing the praises of God in his word. It is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. Uh, but in verse 11, he tells us this, by, uh, by God's word, I'm, I'm changing the word in there, but by God's word, we are warned, and in keeping it, there is great reward. Right? This is what he, uh, David is telling us. He's saying it is more desirable than gold. It, it is sweeter than honey. And by his word, I am warned right, what I'm not to do. And in keeping them, there is great reward. I am taught what I am to do. Now, when we think about the great uh, excuse me, before I go there, in God's word, we are told the good works are us loving one another, serving one another, loving God, right? That, that's what God's word does for us. Uh, it, it shows us how we are to live, godly living, the righteousness of God, all these terms that we've talked about. This is what God's word, uh, one of the, the many blessings that we get from God's word, it, it does all these things for us. It helps us protect one another uh, from spiritual attacks, from tragedies, from all these things. It helps us to think rightly when it comes to all these circumstances in life. And so to list just a few of those, um, I'm just going to rattle a few of these off for us. I know how to love my wife because of what God's word tells me, how how I'm to love my wife. Uh, I know how to approach a brother who has sinned against me because God's word tells me how I am to approach those situations. And I know I am to ask for forgiveness and repent of my sins when I've sinned against a brother, right? God's word tells me how to do those things. And then when we think about what David said about these rewards in Psalm 19, a lot of times because of the way our culture is today, a lot of times our mind goes towards material things. Uh, But I I don't always, you know, I I think it's safe to say that monetary blessings, material blessings aren't always the way God blesses us. Uh, More often than not, right, in, in the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, it's, it's that soothing of my soul, right? When I'm, the storms of life have come in and are rattling my thoughts and, and I can't seem to find peace, God's word comes in and, and settles that storm, right? That is a great reward, right? Knowing who God is and what he has done for us and being able to take every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ, uh, being able to cry out to God for forgiveness and being able to have that, that guilt removed from my heart, uh, his hand weighing heavy upon me, these are great rewards. These are huge blessings in the life of Christians. Uh, but if we didn't have God's word, we wouldn't know any of that. So when we are, uh, when we are in God's word, right, it encourages us when we feel defeated. It uh, it gives me the words that I need to share when someone else is going through, through suffering, right? I, I don't always, I, I rarely have the right words to say, but I can always share God's word when someone's going through something, when they've lost a loved one, when their loved one is hospitalized or uh, they've lost their job or whatever the case may be, I can always give that person God's word. And God is always faithful to his people, right? When, when God speaks, his sheep hear him and they follow after him. Right. There is so much trust and, and um, security in God's word. It, it is a it is a beautiful thing. And God's word should be the cornerstone of our life for all things that we say, do and think. But being a, a hearer only um, is not a benefit. Right. Just hearing God's word alone, uh, being shared God's word alone is, is not uh, beneficial to us. I, I heard this uh, preacher talk about, he gave this illustration, and, I, and I'm going to use it, but I kind of make it my own, okay? So 
He says, this is basically what he was saying, like if I'm using this in my life. If I tell my son, right, Oliver, that's sitting right there, my oldest, that I'm like, hey, son, I'm about to go to work. I need you to take the trash out. The trash is full. I need you to take it out. And I leave for work, come home at lunch, and now I get back and the trash is just filled to the brim, right? It's just overflowing and it's just all over the place. And I come home and I'm like, dude, what happened? Like, why didn't you take the trash out? Now, him being a hearer only, this would be his response. Dad, you know what? I was so thankful that you asked me to take the trash out. I noticed that it was full right when you said that. And I thought to myself, Dad, you know, my dad is so thoughtful that he told me that this trash needs to be taken out because if I don't take it out, it's going to get overflowing. It's going to pour out and then mommy's going to have to struggle putting more trash in there. And, and then that made me think, you know what, God, you, or uh, dad, you gave, you have this job that provides for us and we're able to buy stuff where the wrapping can go in this trash can. And, and I'm just, you know, and it just, it brought me to tears thinking that, you know, you've provided this house and all these things. And, and I'm just so, I'm just welling up with so much joy thinking about these things that you've told me to do that I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with thankfulness for you. And I'm like, man, but I asked you to take the trash out. Like, thank you, but I asked you to take the trash out, right? What did I, what did I ask you to do? Yeah, I'm thankful you appreciate me and, and, you, and you're thinking through these things well and you've articulated your thoughts and you're, but what did I ask you to do, right? What, what, don't be a hearer only of what I've told you. Do what I've told you. Show me the appreciation you have for all these things. But as we think about that, right, it's, it is, it's funny, right? Um, but in that how we respond oftentimes to preaching, to teaching, to sermons or worship songs where we're just moved, right? We are just brought to tears and we're just so thankful for all that God has done for us, rightly so, right? We just are overwhelmed with everything that he's done, right? You look back at your life, you see what you've done with your life, and you see what God's done, and yes, it, it, should, it, should, it should feel so good. It should overwhelm you with joy that you are just thankful for all that God has done. But then after those emotions subside, you just kind of go back to how you were living before. If that's what's happening, we are deceiving ourselves, Right? Being a hearer only of the word, being stirred emotionally only by the word. We are being a hearer only of the word, and we are deceiving ourselves. Right? We are deceiving ourselves if we believe we can be a hearer only, and then there be no change, no, no marked change within our lives. Now, I want to make it, that's a very, you know, kind of out there description, and for you, if you're thinking about it, you're kind of thinking about the things in your life, but... I want to kind of make this a little more personal, potentially, and, and mention some examples of being a hero only and, and kind of these types of situations. So think about these terms. New Year's resolutions, dissolved marriages, broken promises, people who are habitually late to everything or are completely unreliable. Right, when you think about these types of people and situations, why do these things tend to cause so much regret, heartache, stress, or frustration? Right, why, why do those, the things that I mentioned, why, why does this stir within us emotionally like negative thoughts when we think about those things? Or embarrassment, whatever the case may be. 
It's because the people in these situations are merely hearers and not doers. Right? They're merely hearers and not doers. And I'm, once again, these are situations when we think about them, like what is, what's, these are, this is what happens when people are not doers and they're merely hearers. Now, we all laugh when we hear the joke, honey, I'm going to get to all those things you've told me to do. You don't have to remind me every six months, right? Like we hear that and we laugh because it's funny, but the, the unfortunate reality of that is that this is actually the case in many homes, right? The, the honey-do list is just stacking up, and it's like, hey, give me some time. I'll, I'll take care of it. You know, I'll get around to it, and nothing ever gets done, right? You are merely hearing, and there is no doing, right? That, that is very common for this to happen. Like how frustrating is it for someone to tell you that they're going to do something only to not follow through with what they said they would do? Now, these are relational examples that I've given, right? These are worldly, relational, physical, visible examples that I've given. Um, but how much worse is it when that's how we treat our relationship with God? Right, it's frustrating for us when someone doesn't do what, what we've uh, asked them to do or what they've told us they would do. How much worse is it when we are doing this to God? Because in reality, you know, if you and I have a relationship, you can frustrate me. I can frustrate you, right? I can frustrate my spouse, my kids, coworkers, employees or employers, right? All of us can do that. And eventually those things kind of fizzle out. We get over it or kind of sweep it under the rug or whatever, and, and we kind of just keep going. But once again, how much worse is it for us to not keep God's word? Now, if we're being honest with ourselves and we go back to Genesis 3, we must remember that it was a single sin that sent this whole creation into turmoil and, and to be cursed. That's what destroyed everything, one single sin. And here we are, every single day, sinning in different ways, saying we would be being hearers and not doers of whatever we have been told or whatever we're told to do. So we ask the question, right? Does merely being a hearer of God's word and not a doer, is it okay with God? Right? Is that, does that please him for us to be hearers only and not doers? That is the deception that we fool ourselves with. Now let's look at verse 23 and 24 and talk about deficiency. Let me reread those verses for us. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Now what we have here, James has given us an illustration of what he just said in verse 22. Right, that, that's what he's, he's given us here. Uh, he's telling us being a hearer only is like being a man with mental deficiencies. Right? Being a man with mental deficiencies. There's something wrong. Right? If you, you, we don't expect the same thing from a baby or a child that we do from adults. But once we're grown, there's certain levels of development that we have or that we should. And, and you should expect certain things from an average person. Right? I mean, there's just normal things that are expected. Uh, and when those things are not there, you recognize something is wrong. 
right? Amnesia is a great case of this, right? If you like, hey man, I, you know, how are you doing? Like, who are you, right? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an oddity. There's something wrong there. There's something deficient, right? Not all cylinders are firing off as they should. Because memory is a gift from God, right? God has given us a memory. We are to store gods within our heart that way we might, may not sin against them. So memory is a gift that he's given uh, so that we know what to do and we, we do it. But anyone who forgets what they look like or forgets who they are, this is a telltale sign that there's something wrong with them, right? There is some, something going on. Now, if I was to relate this to today, right, we just had the Super Bowl um, recently, but in the sports world, it doesn't matter if it's football or any sports, most sports, they have like a protocol when someone gets their bell rung, right, they get a concussion or they believe to have had a concussion. A lot of times there's some simple questions that are asked, like, who are you? What's your, what's your name? How old are you? What day is it? What, what year are we in? Who's the president, right? There's these general questions that they tend to ask people. Uh, but when these people get concussed, they get their bell rung, it just kind of throws all their thoughts for a loop, and they at times won't remember who they are, what day it is, or whatever. These things are, are just normal things that are thrown at them to see how cognizant they are of, of everything, right? That's, that's throwing that memory off. Now, what James is trying to help us understand with this illustration is that for the Christian, right, when we think about us as Christians, those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, who are being conformed into the image of Christ and desire to please Christ with their lives, right? as we look to Christ and his beauty and see all that he has done for us, as we look to him and see all that, there should be a marked change within our lives, right? in the way we think, the way we act. Right? And, and Jesus talks about this when he gives the parable of the four soils. Not all of us are going to look exactly the same. Right? Some are going to produce fruit, fruit 30, 60, or 100-fold. That change is going to vary from person to person. Um, but there is going to be change. Right? There will be a change in, in, the, in, the, in the life of the Christian because the, the heart has changed. The desires are now renewed. Terrible habits we still have. God is working those out of us, but there is going to be a change within every Christian. And if not, if those things aren't evident for the Christian, it is as if he is a man with deficiencies who cannot even recognize himself in pictures or in a mirror. Right? Like, how, how disturbing would that be for you if you or your loved ones couldn't recognize their own reflection? Right? That, that's, that's a, that would be a big thing. But how much more disturbing... Is it if when I leave this church building, after hearing God's word preached, get in my car to leave, uh, drive away with my spouse, and then we bicker and argue and fight because of something that's been lingering for the past couple days, right? Or I snap at my kids, or I get upset with someone who cut me off in traffic, or I get frustrated with, with the, the wait time at the restaurant because had Laramie preached like five minutes shorter, we could have got there on time. Shouldn't be laughing at that. I don't, I've been working on that, okay? I've been better. But that's the reality, right? A lot of that happens. I mean, it's, if you ask anyone in the, in, the, in the restaurant world, like, they hate working Sundays because of Christians and how they act when they go to restaurants. It's a terrible thing. Uh, we should not be thought of that way, but that is the reality, right? It's like us seeing ourselves in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what we look like. Right? We forget who we belong to. We bear God's image 
um, in vain when we do those things. But being a doer of God's word would be the one who, how our pastor preached last week, is slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Uh, when you're offended, you don't return perceived disrespect with, with more disrespect, but with compassion, respect, and honor. Right? You kind of have that response to people wronging you. Being a doer of the word would be seeking reconciliation and not retaliation in those moments of being wronged. It would be not only being a doer of God's word, but being a man or woman of your own word as well. Letting your yes be yes and your no be no. That's being a doer of God's word. Owning up to your faults, repenting, and seeking to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, before we move on, I have one final, uh, before we move on to our final point, excuse me, I have three questions that I want to pose to everyone here. All three apply in one sense or another, right? Two, you have to be in a certain state, and then the very last one applies to everybody. So first, uh, typically I do, uh, you know, ladies first, but we're going to go with the men here. Uh, husbands, if I was to ask you, how is a man to love his wife, what would the answer be? Like Christ loves his church, right? That's Ephesians 5, 25. That's how a man is to love his wife. When you don't do that, you are acting like the man who looked intently at himself in the mirror and walked away and forgot what he looked like. That's what happens every time you do not love your wife like Christ loves the church. Wives, what has God commanded you to do to, your hus to or for your husband? You have been commanded to respect him and to submit to him as unto the Lord. Right? To respect him and to submit to him as unto the Lord. That means when you disrespect him to his face or behind his back, or you do not submit to him as unto the Lord, it's as if you looked at yourself in the mirror and walked away and forgot what you look like. You can say, all I'll say, say amen to that too. Both of them are true. Now, most of you ladies, right, as I look out, most of you are wearing makeup. I'd say yes, right? Most of you are wearing makeup. So you were pretty intentional with what you did with your face, right? You were very intentional with what you did with your face. And it's great, right? It looks, I'm not going to talk about that at all. It's great, right? It's, it's, that's, if it's needed, go for it, right? You have, you have the freedom to do so. But the question is, how many of you are that intentional about respecting your husband or submitting to him as unto the Lord? Mm. Right? You make sure the lipstick's on right, the whatever, foundation, all that. I don't know that stuff, right? You make sure everything is in place. How, how intentional are you in your relationship with your husband? Just something to think about, right? Just, just keep, that, keep that in mind the next time you look at yourself in the mirror. Now, if, you, if you're not a husband or you're not a wife, this is for everyone. What is the greatest commandment that God has given? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? This applies to all of us. Now, when you don't love, when I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, or love my neighbor as myself, 
we are like the man who looks intently at himself in the mirror and then when he turns away forgets what he looks like every single time amen that's what we're that's being a doer of God's word not a hearer only right most of you can rattle off the 10 commandments right and that that's being a hearer of God's word how many of you are living your life and and taking those commandments in light of your life in in the things that you do say or think that's the question we need to ask ourselves now this leads us to our final point which is our duty and this is for verse 25 let me read that verse for us it says but the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing He will be blessed in his doing. Now, we've talked about deficiencies and deception, and both of these are due to us not deliberately dedicating ourselves to our duty. Right? I just felt like using a bunch of D's there. Right? This is due to us not deliberately dedicating ourselves to our duty. Now, why do I use duty? Duty, one definition for, du for duty is uh, defined as a moral or legal obligation. Right? You're, you're obligated to do something. You must do it. It's, not, it's, it's a command. It's not optional. Right? It's not like you can choose to do it or not. These are things that are required of you. But right, if we think about that, being doers of God's word, not hearers only, the, the question that should arise for all of us is, based on what we see here, what helps prevent us from becoming legalists or Pharisees who only obey out of obligation, but not out of delight, right? How do we prevent that? Because one, one of the tactics that we've, you know, that people talk about with Satan is he either tries to hinder you from doing God's word or he tries to push you too hard into it, right? Like that is kind of the idea. How do we um, not get so tunnel vision that we lose sight of everything in God's word, uh, how do we do this with delight, right? How, how are we able to uh, know that it's an obligation for us to do the things that God has called us to, but to do them with a heart uh, of joy? Well, we go back to the verse that we just read. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, right? The one who looks into the, law, the perfect law, the law of liberty. The word looks here means to look intently or as if you're investigating, it's not merely like peeking or glancing or it's just a side-eye view of it. It's, it's like um, one of the, the definitions is like bending over, right? If I was to look, like I'm, it, you know that I'm really looking for something. If It's not just doing this. I'm like getting into the, the nooks and crannies, right, to search for something. That's what this word means here is to look intently. So it's not a glance. It's not a peek. But it's looking intently into what? The perfect law, the law of liberty. Now, oftentimes we hear the word law and, and we think of Mosaic law, like just Ten Commandments and, and it's kind of rigid and things like that. But when we read law here, this is referring to God's word as a whole, right? It's, it's all of God's word is what he's referring to. Now, what does uh, God's word do, right? When we read God's word, what are some of the things that God's word does for us? Well, it reveals our sinful nature and it points us to Christ as our savior, as our Savior and Lord. This is what God's Word does for us. It's called His special revelation, right? It reveals Christ to us in a, in a special way. Now, as we look intently at God's law, we don't see it 
as a rule book that just weighs us down, right? That, that is insurmountable. That's, that's not what we should view God's word as. Uh, as we look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, we see those commands in light of God's grace to us and how not only did he, he send his son to fulfill the law and die in our place, but that he also sent his Holy Spirit to take up residence within our hearts, to convict us of sin, to conform us into the image of Christ by empowering us to fight temptation, flee temptation, and be doers of the word. Right, that's what this law of liberty does for us. This is what the perfect law does for us. And there's so much more to that, but that's, in essence, what God's word does for, for us. So we can't shy away from the fact, uh, once again, we can't shy away from the fact that Christians are called to obey. Right? Obedience is a good thing. It's not a, it's not a, obey is not a, a four-letter word. Right? It's not a bad word to say. That's a good thing for us to obey. Because once again, we don't obey to be saved. We obey because we have been saved. Right? We don't obey unto salvation. We obey uh, because of our salvation. Once again, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God, God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it to love our neighbors as ourselves, we have the duty to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, because it is the word that shows us how to love God and how to love his people. In other words, our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our love for God, right? Going back to our sermon summary. And as we meditate upon these truths and the desire to live in light of them, we are promised in God's word right here in verse 25 that as we persevere, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, we will be blessed in our doing. Now, in closing, what have you heard today? And only, not only what have you heard, but what will you do about it? If you recognize your failures uh, to be a doer of God's word, now is the time to do something about it. Do not be a hearer only. Don't be the one who hears God speaking to you through this message and you leave here and forget what you look like. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Seek him while he may be found. Right? All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? You, you come to him humbly, he will exalt you. This is the God that we serve. Right? He doesn't quench a burning wick. He doesn't break the bruised reed. Right? He is calling out for us to repent and trust in him. And we must never forget that. Now, as the music team comes forward, you are invited to come up and pray if, if that's what you so desire or pray at your seat or find someone you're comfortable praying with. Uh, but either way, don't waste another moment only hearing. Let's pray.